This is most certainly true. The Word became flesh. Our Savior God was born a humble baby to set a world of sinners free. He became a person so that He could save people like us. And because He lived and died in our place, now we have a promise of life forever in heaven. Join our celebration of the birth of Jesus with this sermon recently delivered at Grace. The second reading from the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 3. These words of the Lord will serve as the basis for today's sermon. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence in the hope in which we glory. The Word of the Lord. There's a cheer that is well known in sports circles, and it goes kind of like this. Whose house is this? Our house. Whose house? Our house. Whose house? Our house. Whose house? Our house. And it just kind of goes on and on until the team is pumped up and ready to go out and to defend their, their court and to bring home the victory. Now you see that chant only works for the home team because it's their field or their court, their gym. And they're not going to let some opposing team come in, bully them around, and steal a victory from them. Oh, I wonder if you don't sometimes use a very similar chant in your own life. Whose house? My house. My rules. Whose life? My life. My choices. Whose life? My life. My, uh, I'm the one in charge and, and you're not. And I'm right and you're wrong. And while that chant might work well in the sports world, it doesn't work so well when it comes to winning at life. And, and I doubt that you stand in front of a mirror or in the middle of your room chanting this out loud, firing yourself up before you go out into the world. But it's a chant that does find its way into your heart and mind often. And like I said, while it's not one that works often in our, our hearts and lives, it's not going to be a chant that is going to help you to have a winning and successful marriage or good friends or a fulfilling career. And most importantly, it won't help you when it comes to having a relationship with God and winning the ultimate victory of eternal life. Why doesn't that my house, my life, my rules, my way mentality work? Well, it's because it does not recognize whose house it really is. 
This morning we're going to spend some time in this second reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. And I actually want to work backwards. I want to start with the last verse of our reading for today, and it says this. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. The picture that the Lord uses to draw us near to him today is this picture of being built into a house. Now, this is not a picture that is unique to just the book of Hebrews. The disciple Peter used this illustration as he described believers in this way. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. And the great missionary, the Apostle Paul, used a very similar illustration in the book of Ephesians when he said, You are fellow citizens with God's people. And also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. God builds believers into a spiritual house. That means that God takes you as a faithful believer with all of your different shapes and sizes and colors and builds us on top of one another, built on this firm foundation of God's promises found in his word. And he builds us into this house in which he then dwells among us, interacting and influencing us in our lives. For as much as we often strive for and sometimes even praise rugged individuality in our society. God tells us that he builds us into something special, into a house. And so we need to get out of our heads this idea that my relationship and walk with God, my life of faith is just a private matter, just me between me and God. No, because God says we're part of something bigger. We are built together bound by the common faith that we have in Christ our Savior to encourage and support one another as we trust daily in God's promises. Whose house? God's house. There was a teenage girl who wanted to borrow the family vehicle to go out on a Saturday night with her friends. The father was willing to allow this, but there were some rules, some stipulations that had to be followed. First of all, she had to make sure that she texted wherever she was going to be going that night. There could be no more than two friends at a time in the car. She had to actually put some gas in the car this time. And she had to be back in time for her curfew, 11 o'clock, no later. The girl rolled her eyes and huffed. Oh, I hate all these rules. And the dad said, my house, my rules. And isn't that the truth? The one who owns the house is the one to whom we have to adhere to the way they want their house to be run. And so if you go over to your friend's house and they don't want you tramping around with your wet, salty boots on, you're going to take them off at the door. And if you go over to your brother's house and he keeps the the thermostat at a nice cool 63 degrees, even during the winter, you're just going to make sure to bring your sweater along. When we understand that God builds his people into a spiritual house, 
we need to recognize who is in charge. Who's the master of this house? The reading from Hebrews sets two options before us today. Moses or Jesus. Now, it might seem like a really easy decision, right? But you see, for the early Christian church, this was the struggle. The early Christians knew Moses. They were familiar with who he was and what he represented. God had appointed Moses and sent him to set free the people of Israel from their bondage in Egypt and bring them to the freedom of the promised land. And God spoke through Moses as a spokesman to the people of Israel. Most importantly, giving to the people through Moses the laws and commands that God wanted them to know about what it looked like to live in a relationship with him. And Moses was a faithful leader both to God and to the people. And yet after some time, people start to got, started to get the wrong impression. And instead of looking at these laws as a way to live with God, they saw it as a way to live or to draw near to God and to earn their salvation, eternal life. And they saw it all about what they had to do. Whose house? Well, for the Jewish person, they would have been tempted to say, Moses' house. But then we have Jesus. Jesus, too, was appointed and sent by God to set people free from bondage and to bring them to the freedom of the promised land. But this time, to set people free, a whole world of people, free from the the bondage of sin and death and to bring us into the freedom of the promised land of eternal life in heaven. And Jesus, too, came to be the spokesman of God, but not to bring more laws to add to Moses, but instead to fulfill all of the law that came through Moses and to fulfill all of those rules and laws and commands for you in your place so that he could proclaim that you are forgiven and that eternal life with God is yours. So what's the point? point is, Jesus is greater than Moses. Listen to what is written in in verse 3. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. When magnificent, award-winning homes are built, who gets all of the praise? Does it go to the house? Or is that praise directed at the architect and builder of the house? Of course the praise goes to the architect and builder of the house. Well, Jesus is the builder of all things. As true God and man, Jesus is the almighty creator. And the opening verses of this book of Hebrews attest to that truth. It says this, In these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son, through whom also he made the universe. And so not only did Jesus create all things and everything that we see in this world, But Jesus is the one who gathers his church and builds it up as he has set us free and bought us to be his own through his blood shed on the cross. Whose house? God's house. 
There's another reason why Jesus is greater than Moses too, and it's found in the comparison between a servant and a son. Listen. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. So you have a servant and a son. Who's in charge of the house? The son is. The servant might have some duties, but the son is in charge. And who's going to inherit that house one day? The servant or the son? Well, the son, of course. The servant might be faithful and dutiful and be a blessing to that home. But in the end, the son is ultimately in charge and that house belongs to him. Moses was faithful in serving God and in leading the people of Israel. But Jesus, the very Son of God, is in charge of and owns the house, the people of God. Whose house? God's house. So as Christians, we hear that we are built into a spiritual house of which Jesus is in charge. But why is that new and what does that mean for us? Now let me take you to the very first verse of the reading for today from Hebrews 3. It says this, Holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. You have been called by the promises of God in his word to be a part of God's heavenly home. Fix your thoughts your eyes, your mind, and your life on Jesus. But how often do you find yourself fixing your thoughts on something other than Jesus in this life? How often do you find yourself to be like that rebellious teen who questions and even accuses the master of the house, the Lord Jesus, of being unfair? How many times do you go about making the claim that this is my house and I'm going to live by my rules the way I want to? Or do you ever find yourself looking at the neighbor's house and seeing a way in this life that seems much more pleasurable and so you determine, I don't want to live in God's house anymore. I want to live in the way of the world. Doesn't the grass always look a little bit greener in somebody else's yard? Or maybe you find yourself getting into this thinking and philosophy that there is a better way, a greater way, a way that that I can get to heaven all on my own. And these laws that came through Moses about being good and living a good life and trying hard to be God-pleasing is the way that I can get in God's good graces. Or you look at the way the world lives and how it's really all about how each person views life and wants to live and, and we feel like that's the way. The reality is that those houses crumble and fall. They they can't stand before the holy, creator, perfect God. And let's be honest, they can't even stand in our relations with one another. So don't find yourself living in a house built by men, by, by yourself. But live in the house that is built by the greatest builder, the master builder. 
Jesus Christ. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your thoughts on the one who is appointed by God, sent by him, and comes with all power and authority as we see with his preaching and teaching and miracles, a God who has control and power over all things, even Satan as he casts out impure spirits. And don't find yourself sitting on the outside, not wanting to go into God's house or being driven out because of your stubborn faithlessness and unbelief but instead cling firmly to the confidence and hope of faith that you glory in. My wife and I like and enjoy watching some of these home renovation and remodeling shows like you might find on HGTV. It's amazing to see the creativity and how they can take these often dumpy-looking homes and transform them into something luxurious. And in much the same way, because of our sin, we are pretty gross and grimy and dumpy. But then Jesus comes in. And with his sacrifice on the cross, he washes away all of the grime of your sin and guilt. And he knocks down the walls of self-righteousness and he makes you new with his forgiveness and grace and mercy, giving you a new and restored life. And in those shows, when the house is remodeled, they come in with a professional design and staging with beautiful furnishings and decorations and artwork. And in much the same way, Jesus furnishes his house with even greater things. He fills it with his grace, with full forgiveness, with his presence, with hope and confidence and strength and joy and eternal hope and eternal life. And these are furnishings that you get to keep and to enjoy today and always. Whose house? God's house. And so when you find your life is rocked, when you find that you are suffering from persecutions or facing temptations, or the troubles come, you don't need to give up. But instead, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your thoughts and put your hope in the promises of Jesus, of his promise to be with you eternally and to bless you with what you need for your eternal welfare. Because in God's house, you can't be defeated. Christ has won the victory over sin and death and through faith in Christ as Savior, that victory is yours. Satan cannot come in and steal that victory away from you on God's home turf. And so we chant with hearts of faith, and please join in with me. Whose house? God's house. Whose house? God's house. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace, 
To support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, and to find our schedule of special worship services, please visit www.gracedowntown.org today. And we'd love to have you join us for worship sometime soon. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor 